You're a vet considering a change of career. But how can you do this without losing your identity as a veterinarian? How do you handle the change in career without the change in identity? Overcoming the expectations, and maybe even disappointment, of family and friends. Where will you fit in when you're no longer a clinical vet? Stuck in your veterinary career and need help making change? My name is Steve O'Ealy and my mission is to help you take the next steps in your career so you can find more happiness and fulfillment in your job and your life. You're listening to Next Step Vet. Join us on our journey to a more enjoyable life. Naomi Mello took an unusual turn in her career as a vet. Going from a respectable job as an equine vet in the racing industry to a relatively obscure and less prestigious profession. For someone who had always wanted to be a vet her entire life, she experienced doubts at an unusual age, before she'd even gone to university. Her parents and mentors quickly quelled that doubt. She went to vet school, ended up working for over 10 years in the equine industry, before rediscovering her passion in a completely new industry. Podcasting. She now runs the International Women's Podcast Awards, as well as hosting her own podcast, working with Amazon, and doing the occasional bit of vet work. But before Naomi got there, she also struggled with her identity as a veterinarian. You'll learn what Naomi means by creating space in order to figure out what you're meant to be doing next. Why networking is not a necessary evil, but something you should look forward to doing if you're serious about changing careers. And how you can change your career without losing your identity as a veterinarian. Finally, I'll share one simple thing you can start today in order to design a career that works for you. I join Naomi giving a brief summary of her career so far. I qualified as a vet in 2007, so 16 years ago this year, from Edinburgh Uni in Scotland. Your guests will probably hear that I'm British. Um, I think like many people, I had wanted to be a vet forever and ever and ever, and I had worked my entire teenage life to become a vet, so I was very focused on achieving that goal, which I think is a pretty common narrative amongst our peer group. The majority of my career was in equine practice, uh, predominantly sport horse practice and latterly with a focus on racing. But I set up a podcast company about five years ago now. I started just learning as an indie podcaster, starting my own podcast, which was called Smashing the Ceiling. I then grew that and now have a business supporting podcasters worldwide. And I run the International Women's Podcast Awards as well. Most vets experience some doubts about their career a few years into practice. But Naomi was a bit different. I had a few doubts before I even started. Uh, so having had this very long-term career goal, literally just before I was due to apply to university, I had my first, well, let's call it a wobble at that point, and... I said to one of my teachers, who was also my careers advisor, 
I think I want to do an English degree. I don't think I want to be a vet after all. Because quite unusually in England, um, most people take all sciences for their A-levels. Uh, but I'd actually taken English literature. I'd always been a fan of writing. I'd written little stories and stuff ever since I was a kid. And... I really loved having that as part of my kind of academic education as well. So I suppose that was my first one. And and my teachers and my parents at the time sort of said, oh, don't be ridiculous. You know, you've worked so hard for this. It's in the bag. You know, it's a really good career. It's, what, it's all you've ever wanted. You're just having cold feet. So that settled down and off I went to vet school and I had a great time and blah, 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 blah. And for the first probably five years or so. I absolutely loved my career. I spent three years working in Australia. I worked in the South Pacific. I had a, I had a brilliant time kind of traveling and, and growing my skills and my confidence. And I suppose my next wobble, let's go with the word wobble for this, came in 2012 when I was in the midst of some personal changes in my life and had had some professional changes as well. I'd returned home from Australia. I'd been locoming for a bit. I was a little bit lost. I'd moved to a couple of different places. I'd moved back in with my parents for a bit. I'd just come out of a long relationship. I was kind of a bit, I was just a bit floundering, I think. And at that stage, I just thought, oh, I don't know if this is for me. And I looked into doing a master's in science communication, which some of your listeners might be aware of. It's an amazing master's degree. And I actually almost went as far as applying for that at the time. So that was over 10 years ago now. And it was actually my dad that sat me down and said, you've had a lot of changes in your life recently. Don't you think you just need a little bit of career stability, guaranteed income, because it was going to be quite a graft to finance the masters and, and locum around the side and all these sorts of things. And he said, I think you should just give it a year and see where you are then. And I thought, okay, there's some value to that. Yeah, I have had a lot of changes in my life and perhaps a bit of stability would be a good idea. And I sort of look back on it now and my parents are wonderful, wonderful people, but I think it's fair to say that they are quite stable people you know they're not massive risk takers with their careers they're not the kind of people that have taken a lot of jumping off risks and I think they were nervous about seeing me do so when I had a very secure career and and good career opportunities as a vet plus they'd seen all the work that I'd put into it over a period of time and then I guess it just built from there and, and actually at that point I, I went into a practice where I stayed for six years and then my final push, I suppose, was was corporatization in the UK. Um, I had always wanted to own a business and the practice I was working in was then subsequently sold. I had decided at that point that perhaps running a practice of my own and setting one up by myself, which was eminently possible for me, was not for me because I have a husband who <laughs> moves around with his career a bit. And so what I needed was flexibility geographically and uh, the prospect of starting up a sole charge practice or potentially with a business partner just wasn't really viable from that perspective. And that was the point at which I started thinking about crafting a career that could work for me with flexibility, business ownership, and satisfaction, as well as the other things I was looking for in my career. One of the things you'll learn in Next Step Vet is there's not always an obvious path between veterinary science and your future career. 
We're so used to having everything mapped out for us, we struggle with the uncertainty a career change brings. How did Naomi stumble into the next step of her career? I love listening to BBC Radio, so I've obviously spent a lot of time, like most acrobats, I spent a lot of time in the car. So I listened to a lot of radio, I listened to a lot of podcasts, like you know, tens of millions of people out there. The first podcast I ever listened to was Serial. I was kind of captivated and hooked after that. And I started listening to podcasts. And so I just thought, that sounds fun. And the other, the radio shows that I had loved for a long time in particular, one was Desert Island Discs, which is a very famous BBC Radio 4 programme over here. And the other one was The Life Scientific that's run by a guy called Professor Jim Al-Khalili. And he interviews scientists about their careers. And that was also on Radio 4. And at the time, I just thought, I'm a bit at a loss with what I'm doing. We just relocated with my husband's job. I was actually unemployed at the time, despite everyone telling me that there was this huge recruitment crisis in the veterinary industry. I had 10 years of experience at that point as an equine vet and I actually couldn't find a job when I moved to a new area of the UK. And I I didn't know anybody and I was sort of thinking, oh my God, what am I going to do? I ended up finding a part-time job in racing, which I went on to do for four or five years. Really enjoyed that, but I then had this free time and I thought, do you know what? I'm going to start a podcast. I could do that. I think I'd enjoy that. I love chatting to people. I love hearing people's stories. And what I started my podcast about, which I think was inspired by the fact that I was having all these kind of internal career crises myself, was talking to women with unusual and interesting careers. I was thinking, okay, so there's all these cool jobs out there. I don't really know what I'm doing. I still don't really know what I want to do with my life, aged 33. So do you know what? I'm just going to talk to other people who've done cool things and find out how they've got where they are, why they do what they do, kind of dig into it with them. And that was how it all started. I love Naomi's attitude to podcasting. I could do that. I'd really enjoy that. By trying something new with a positive attitude and an open mind, she would then go and create a career for herself. Curiosity is one of the fundamental mindsets you need in order to design a career to work for you. Despite finding her passion outside the vet industry, Naomi struggled with her identity shift. Are you really going to lose your identity if you change your career? Or can you retain your identity as a vet while working in a different career? Cards on the table, I still work as a vet. Partly for money and partly because actually I enjoy it when I do it less. I found it really hard to step away from my veterinary career being how I defined myself. And I don't think that's uncommon for vets because I think naturally we're very driven people. A lot of us are, you know, maybe not workaholics, but we're doing something that we've worked very hard to do, let's put it that way, and have often wanted to do for a very long time. And for many people, reaching the end of vet school and qualifying as a vet is the pinnacle of everything that they're academic life has been to to that point. And I think that makes it really difficult to say, 
I don't want to do this anymore because inevitably that raises up feelings of failure. And and I think the other thing carries is, is a degree of shame. You know, what I felt was my parents had backed me to the hilt to do this job. Everyone I knew had said, oh, it's really difficult to get into vet school. And I was like, yeah, but I can do that. I can do that. I can do that. And then to say, actually this isn't what I thought it was going to be or this isn't for me anymore is actually a really difficult thing to do for a lot of people, I think, and I would include myself in that number. I also f think there's a degree of pride that comes if you're at a party or you introduce yourself to somebody or whatever, when people say, what do you do? Oh, I'm a vet. It's easy for people to understand. It's a conversation starter. People love talking about their animals and people always are like, oh, that's an amazing career. And I think when you get that response from other people to say, yes, but it's not fulfilling me in the way that I need for the rest of my working life feels a bit embarrassing to a degree. And now I've stepped through that, but that took a really, really long time for me. I will always be a vet. Nobody is going to take that away from me. I still have those letters after my name. I still have my degree. That will always be a part of what I do. But now, and I, I credit a very lovely friend of mine who is called Polly Compton, who does various different things, and she's also not a practicing clinician, but she says, I'm a vet and I do X, Y, and Z. So now I describe myself as a vet and a podcaster, a vet and an entrepreneur, you know, a vet and a community builder, whatever the context is. And sometimes I put all those things in and I often say to people, my career is really confusing, <laughs> but that's okay. <laughs> I don't believe that there is one person that you can love in your whole life. And I also don't believe that there is one career for everybody either, if that's not what you want. We live in an age of flexibility. We live in an age where now we're living longer, we're working longer. Sometimes you'll have times in your career when that is the right job for you and then it might just be a time to move on and that is okay don't let the career you likely chose as a teenager define the rest of your life i'm a veterinarian i still practice part-time but i'm also a podcaster and career coach while it's easy to explain to family and friends i'm a vet it's actually the podcasting and career coaching I'm most proud to tell people about. Sharing with people the struggles in my career and steps I've taken to make change often invites others to open up about their career doubts. You might be thinking, this is all well and good for Naomi and Steve, but what about me? You may be stuck in a location where finding another job or career isn't so obvious or easy. What does Naomi think about geographic isolation? There's a lot out there if you know where to look. And I think it's also about understanding how your skills can be utilised in a non-traditional fashion. So, for example, locuming is an obvious way to make money, but if you're geographically constrained, then that can seem difficult to people. But... There are such a wealth of options out there in the online world these days that you can do anywhere as a vet and otherwise. 
it's not so much about geographic location. It's about defining what your skills are that you can utilize wherever you are to help you make money on the side of potentially reducing a bricks and mortar job. So for example, if you're working full time in a practice and you can't leave because you've got children in primary school uh, or your husband or partner or whatever is constrained to the location you're in for their work, something that can be really useful is to think about, well, could you drop just one day a week down to begin with and free yourself up a little bit of yeah. time to explore other opportunities and to look at options that will bring you a form of income on the side, call it a side hustle, call it whatever you like, that will supplement what you're doing for a slight reduction in your salary from your bricks and mortar job. Now, sure. I would be pretty upfront with people that my founding of my current business came about during the pandemic when I was furloughed from my job on pretty normal pay with nothing to do. And I had a lot of time on my hands to work through all of this. I had a coach. Um, I'm a massive, massive fan of career coaching. I think it is what has helped me define uh, my skills, my expertise, my sweet spots around personal and professional development and really get to grips with actually what I want to be doing. Uh, but I think just trying to free up a little bit of time if you can to help you start taking that first step outside of the fixed bricks and mortar job if that's what you want is what I usually recommend to people. I haven't stopped doing veterinary work at any point in my career. When I was, you know, I had a three to four day a week job in horse racing f up until August this year. I did locum work as a stud vet from 7am to 10am on some days, uh, you know, for a season. Um, I work weekends for a different practice. I do odd days here and there for another practice. And I think depending on where you live and if you are very rural there may not be the flexibility to do that but um, I think locuming gives people a lot of flexibility and a lot of time and a lot of control of your time as well which for me is important we are lucky as a profession that you do have that option available to you um, and you always have your skills and your degree to come back to as a way of earning, earning money if you need and it is one of the things that has really helped me alongside building a business in a completely different industry that has absolutely nothing to do with veterinary is having the backup of knowing that if I need cash quickly, I can I can do a couple of weekends, even on equine. And it's much harder to get equine locoming here than it is a uh, small animal. It's available, but it is more tricky. But still, I think that you you have options. It's just a question of working them out journaling them out, talking to people, networking and creating connections. Um, and I think those are the key things that, that I would recommend to people, yeah. 
You'll notice Naomi didn't talk much about geography itself. Because no matter where you are in the world, in the 21st century, there are opportunities in almost any field of work if you start looking in the right places. One of the ironies about being a vet is so many people feel trapped in this profession, but we're actually quite lucky. Unlike a lot of working professionals, we have the option of locuming. One of the first things I recommend to vets I work with is to locum and reduce your hours. In your current job, if you're completely honest with yourself, do you genuinely have the energy at the end of a workday or the end of the week to do self-development? If you're working full-time, it's not unreasonable to get to the end of the working day or week and want to do absolutely nothing. If you're serious about making a career change, you've got to consider reducing hours to create space and time to work on your career development. If I look back at my own career transition, one of the things that really helped me was being locked down during the COVID pandemic. My hours were reduced from about 40 hours a week plus on call to around 32 hours a week. While this was only a small reduction in hours, it freed up both the time and the mental energy to spend time working on my career development. I got life and career coaching and transitioned to a role outside of clinical practice. I have since designed a career that works for me. Locuming in particular is useful because it gives you a sense of agency in your career. If you cannot locum where you are, talk to your boss about reducing your hours. This will free up the mental space for you to be able to treat your career development as weekly CPD. How can career coaching help you? I had a little bit of career coaching at that time, which was way before the pandemic. You know, that was back in 2017. And that was my first sort of jumping off point. You know, I just had two or three sessions with an amazing woman called Sarah Williams, who is herself a podcaster. And the other thing I wanted to do at the time was run an ultra marathon. And she's an adventurer and ultra athlete. So she kind of taught me those two things together, podcasting and ultra running, which was very strange combination to find in a coach. But um, <laughs> I was lucky to find her. And, you know, I think it's those um, small windows of time. You know, I think I only had maybe three hours with her in total, something like that. Just one hour sessions here and there just gave me the impetus to think about things. And at that stage, this was 2017, I was kind of busy at that point. And I think when you're mentally and physically tired from full-time work, it's really difficult to give yourself the space to properly consider and properly develop your own career because you're so frenetic all the time. I find that in full-time work, it's just harem scarum from one thing to another, to on-call, to phone calls, to you know reports, referrals the whole time. I absolutely loved that and thrived off it for a long period but eventually it wasn't fulfilling me in the way that I wanted and I don't think I suffered 
any kind of burnout mentally or physically. I just thought I need more than this. I, I want something different for myself, you know, because I'm somebody who yeah. is constantly looking for a new challenge. And I think that's why business appeals to me, because you're growing something, you're building something, you're developing something. Whereas I think as an employed vet, you know, as an assistant, I just felt like I was kind of getting into a bit of a groove that I was pretty competent at. I had a good client base, but mm, it was just becoming a little bit samey for me on a day-to-day -day basis. And people get their kicks and people get their development and people get their, their building, quote unquote, in a different way. So, you know, maybe that's through becoming a specialist. Maybe you want to do research. There's no right way to go about it. Not everybody wants to run a business. Of course they don't. But I think it's about finding what gives you energy and what lights you up and gets you out of bed in the morning like i have a friend who's a equine medicine specialist and she flipping loves it you know she loves the difficult cases that come in she loves seeing the weird stuff those things give her energy and joy you know she loves putting out research and thinking about new things and how she can develop stuff in the profession and write papers and all the rest of it and that lights her up and that's her kryptonite that's not for me, yeah. but I think it's about finding what gives you kind of energy in your career. And for me, what that sure. is, is helping other people, connecting other people. And that's where I've kind of grown those things into the new business that I run. We'll talk more about what drains you and energises you in a later episode of Next Step Vet. But to get back to the coaching, if you look at any top sports person, almost all of them have a coach. These are people who are the very best in their fields, and yet they are still looking for someone to hold them accountable and help them improve. In every aspect of my life, I have sought out coaching. When my personal life was heading in the wrong direction, I got life coaching. When I wasn't happy in my career, I got career coaching. When I started developing the podcast, I recognized if I was going to be serious about it, I needed a podcast coach. Now, in developing Next Step Vet as a business, I have a business coach. And finally, one of my hobbies is tennis and my backhand is terrible. Yes, I have hired a coach for this too. Coaching is a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. It's about having the confidence to admit you don't have all the answers and need help. For me, accountability is a big thing. The other thing that I would say on that point was I really benefited from group coaching as well. And actually, I had some individual one-to-one -one coaching with Sarah, as I mentioned, but the mainstay of the coaching that I did was actually a year-long coaching mastermind with a group of other women in business. And the connections I have formed within that group are incredible. Those women are across all different areas of life. Friends who work in fashion, one of them works in banking in Africa, some of them work in the wellness space, some of them work in science, you know, these are a whole different group of people. 
But one of those women has become my business partner. And she is somebody who I had never met before three years ago. I went into this coaching mastermind and six months ago, she said to me, we work in really similar areas. What do you think about joining forces to start a business together? It was very serendipitous and it was very unexpected, but I think it's about opening your mind to the possibilities that are out there for you. And I think that what I found for myself and have certainly heard from other vets is that you get into this groove of clinical work and to coin an equine phrase, you get the blinkers on, you know, you're, you're in your lane, you are working hard, you're trying to keep up with CPD, you're trying to keep clients happy, you're trying to support younger vets coming through behind you, you're trying to make sure your turnover is decent. All these things is hard. And yeah. sometimes it's really hard to look left and right when you're on that road. For me, not just having a coach themselves, but actually stepping outside of the industry that I was in or am in, to meet people who do things in a completely different way was something that was really useful for broadening my horizons and my contact network as much as anything else. We could do a whole other podcast on networking, Steve, but um, <laughs> I think that's my other massive, <laughs> massive tip to people is get out there, whether it's online or in person, whether it's veterinary or otherwise, just get good at pitching yourself to people, whether you are ready to know what you want to do or not. Just starting to hone, I hate the phrase elevator pitch, but starting to hone your little description in 30 seconds of who you are and what you do, where you're going and what your goals are is a really useful thing to do. And yeah. you've got to keep developing it. You've got to keep thinking about it. And the more you say what it is that you want, the more likely I think it is that that is going to come into fruition. So as an example, when I started the International Women's Podcast Awards a couple of years ago, I didn't know anybody in the podcast industry at that point. I'd been podcasting as an independent podcaster in my kitchen, bathroom, bedroom, whatever, for several years before that but I didn't really know anyone in radio or in the media or in podcasting and I managed to convert that into working so my major partner now at Amazon Music and I didn't know any of those people beforehand but what I did do was get out and meet as many people as I could and just forming genuine relationships with people has been a real key to opening doors and as a vet, I think there's tons of opportunities out there via social media, online, etc., for you to go and to meet other people in a similar situation, to think about the opportunities available for you, whether that's through Vet Stay Go Diversify or any of the CPDs or, you know, doing anything that's kind of veterinary related but slightly off centre. And, you know, there's tons of help out there. So I would really encourage people to start doing something that you enjoy and meeting people in the sector that you enjoy and then build your network out that way. For some of you, you may think of networking as people wearing suits and trading business cards. 
It doesn't feel genuine. It feels like you're schmoozing and fake. That isn't real networking. Networking is just people helping people. And if you genuinely engage with other people, it will become one of the most rewarding tools in your career. Going and introducing yourself to people can be really intimidating if you're not used to doing it. But let's take a conference, for example. You know, lots of vets do their CPD at conferences. There's usually some kind of social or, you know, happy hour or whatever it is after the conference has finished. Often. It's a great time to go and practice meeting people. So you're just going up and saying, hey, I'm Naomi. I work in equine practice. This is who I am. This is what I do. What do you do? And the commonest question I ask people is not anything about my career, but is there anything I can do to help you? Because what you like you say, networking is just people helping people. And the other thing that I think is really powerful, and it's something that I have really tried to hone, is not thinking about yourself. It's thinking about how you can connect other people because the real power comes through being able to put other people together. So when I meet people, I'm constantly thinking, okay, so who would they like to meet? Who are they going to be really interested in chatting to? Thinking about these things from an early stage is just good practice. So Steve and I met each other through one of the world's best super connectors, who is a woman called Ebony Escalona. And she is the master of thinking about people who will match well together. And so even as a vet, if you meet someone and you could be thinking, oh, okay, so I've just met this guy. He works in a small animal referral center in Auckland, but actually he might be really interested to meet this person that I know in London who also does that or whatever. You know, it's just getting used to thinking about the wider spider's web of career connections so that when you have nailed what you think your next step might be, that you then have those skills available to you. And I think just getting practiced at that, whether that's socially or professionally, and you can do it in your social life as well. If you meet a friend at a party and you think they'd get on really well with someone else that you know, why not put those people together? It's really, really good skill to get into. And when you get into your professional life, it will set you up no end. I used to be really shy about stuff like that. And I hated going to parties. I was a complete wallflower. I didn't really feel confident to go and get out there. And part of it comes with age, I think, and maybe experience. And that, unfortunately, is just a bit of a fact of life in so many ways. But just taking that first step and actually just introducing yourself to somebody and saying something like, what brings you here today? Or, you know, where have you come from is, is kind of a good opener. And the second thing is, if you find it super nerve-wracking, then going to some curated networking where the person who is holding that networking will really hold you and support you and look after you. And I would give a nod to Katie Ford. If you look her up on LinkedIn, she runs some wonderful veterinary networking where she will absolutely ensure that no matter who you are, where you are or how confident you are, how outgoing or otherwise you are, that you will be looked after in those sessions and that you will be made to feel that you belong, that you are important and that your voice is heard. 
Networking is one of the most important skills you can develop in your career. We'll go into this in more detail on a later episode of Next Step Vet. In the meantime, Naomi is going to leave you with one piece of advice. It's what she would have told herself when she first experienced doubts in her career. Go with your gut. Your instinct and your intuition are almost always right. I don't think that I would be where I am now if I had done what I thought I needed to do when my doubts first occurred. And I do believe that everything happens for a reason at the time it's meant to. So I don't think that I ever regret any of the decisions I made, but I think I agonised and worried in the wrong way at the beginning. And I think I did follow my instincts and my intuition, but I think I tried to push them down too much at the beginning. And eventually you get to a stage where you can't quiet those feelings anymore. That was Naomi Mellor. You can find out more about Naomi on LinkedIn. Three tips from this week's episode. One. Create space. Reduce your hours, and ideally locum if you can, to create the time and freedom to start working on your career development. 2. Get career coaching from a professional. Naomi felt so strongly about this, she actually messaged me after the interview to reiterate the importance of coaching. In her words, The cost of career coaching is a bit of an elephant in the room and can be really expensive. I paid for coaching on a three-year interest-free credit card as it was quite a large sum of money and it's definitely paid dividends for me. My additional comment, on top of what Naomi said, is no one batters an eyelid in investing thousands into shares, but the best investment you can make in your life is to invest in yourself in the first half of your career. 3. Networking Start by getting comfortable meeting people. Then, once you've done the career work, get good at pitching yourself to other people. Who you are, what you do, where you're going, and what your goals are. As mentioned, we'll do a deeper dive into networking later in Next Step Vet. If you've taken anything out of this week's episode, I hope it's this. Nobody can take those letters that follow your name. Nobody can take the years of hard work getting into vet school, qualifying and practicing as a vet, doing on call, handling difficult clients and dealing with emergencies. No matter what career you step into, you'll always be a vet. It's all well and good knowing how to change careers without losing your identity as a vet, but how do you actually make change? In going through my own career struggles, I've developed a framework to help you design a career to work for you, based on the work of career experts, along with my own experience in the veterinary industry. In each episode of the podcast, I'll share with you one simple achievable step to help you on your own career change journey. 
Your next step is create space. Next step accepted. Find a way to reduce your hours at work, ideally locum, so that you're in control of your own hours. If this isn't an option, tell your work you need to reduce your hours. Don't ask, tell them. It's your life, and if you're too busy and stressed to allow the time and energy to spend on your career development, you will never find the space to do it. You've got to create space for yourself. I would recommend reducing your hours of work by at least 8 hours a week. This will allow more time for rest and relaxation and mean you can spend at least 2 hours a week on your career development. So this week, create space. Next step accepted. That's it for this episode of Next Step Vet. I'm host and creator Steve O'Ealy and thanks for tuning in. If you're feeling generous, please give us a 5 star rating on Apple or Spotify. Your support is appreciated. In our next episode, we'll be talking about how to reframe your approach to your career to be more proactive and less reactive. And you'll learn an easy technique for measuring how the important areas of your life are going. If you're a veterinarian interested in taking the next steps in your career, designing a career that works for you, bringing you more joy and fulfillment, then go ahead and subscribe to Next Step Vet right here in your listening app so you can stop feeling stuck in your job and start designing a career that works for you. Next Step Vet is produced by me, Steve O'Ealy. Editing is thanks to Jeremy Greater. Show theme is Symbidium by WMD. And background music is created by Soundstripe. This was a production of Next Step Vet, the veterinary career podcast, helping you on your journey to a more enjoyable life.